Welcome to the Twee Couch Guitar Therapy Session where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch we are counseling on guitar and drum pet peeves. Drummers are awesome. Their ability to use every limb of their body to create syncopation and energy is astounding. A seasoned drummer with finesse and dynamics can take a song from meh to amazing. Of course, they do have their quirks and downfalls to us guitar-slash-vocalists. Their high volume and massive footprint create such a confined space in a mix and on stage that it is easy to become annoyed. But then again, we aren't perfect either. Our quest for perfect tones and tendency to push the tempo can drive a drummer to their breaking point. We noodle, we tune and retune, we switch out gear, we sometimes use their gear as a platform to jump off of. I mean, I can see we have our issues too. But what are the drummer's pet peeves about guitar players? Do we even care? What are the guitar player's pet peeves about drummers? Do they even care? Could we have the same issues with each other? Is it okay to tell them to stop it? Are these issues even solvable? And collections. John said he owns how many drum sets and how many guitars? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with John on the Tweed Couch. Well, John, it is great to have you back on the couch again, having our resident left-handed drummer to be here on the couch. Dr. T, it is so good to see you and to be on the couch. Wiggle into my little uh, little butt cheek imprint here and, um, you know, mm-hmm. get my left-handed drumming uh, therapy on. Yes, and you know what? I'm glad that we're bringing up this whole thing about being a drummer and a guitar player because I feel like it's important for us to have a little bit of therapy about some pet peeves that we might have, not just about each other, but about what each other play. Because I know there are some things that I have that I go, man, I love a drummer. Drummers are great. Playing a show by myself sucks, but playing a show with a drummer is awesome. But there are a few things that annoy me. Yeah, I can relate. There happen to be a few things about guitar players that maybe get under the skins a little bit. Mm-mm. See what I did there? The drum skins? The, the yeah. Oh, skins. I, oh, I okay. saw it. Okay, pet peeve number one. Yeah. All right. Drummer <laughs> jokes? Is that is that it? Yeah. It, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and start with something. And I, I'm curious on if this is actually a pet peeve for you too, but on a different level. But for me, I'm thinking about this whole idea of load in, load out. And one of the things that is a little bit of a pet peeve as a guitar player towards a drummer is everything is heavy and everything is awkward. You have a pet peeve that all of my stuff is heavy and awkward? Is that what you're saying? Yes, everything. Okay, the drum hardware, like the case, is the most heavy. Now, yes, you put it in a beautiful case, and it is perfectly compact, but it still weighs 85 pounds. Like, that's more than, like, my 11-year-old. Like, that's yeah. that's a lot. And then you add in also that you have the gigantic kick drum and you have a floor tom, sometimes two, and you have the rack toms. And if you bring roto toms, that's it, we're over. But you get the idea. Yeah, yeah I, uh, 
as a drummer, it is a pet peeve of mine as well. <laughs> a, how heavy everything is and how long it takes to load in. Because I was at a, at a at a show actually last week and uh, the uh, the lead singer was like, all right, guys, good show. And he walked out. I'm like, okay, I, I hate that guy. <laughs> and he the didn't guitar even player, have to pack up a microphone. <laughs> right, he literally walked out the door. Then the guitar player unplugged and like put his guitar in a case. He's like, see guys. And he walked out. And then I saw the bass player with a, you know, all his stuff and the keyboard player. And then the drummer was there for like an extra 30 minutes loading all his stuff and walking out. So yep. yeah, load in, load out is, is definitely up there as is the weight. Because yeah. like for me, I love double braced hardware because it doesn't move and it sits there and all those things. But to your point, when you throw, you know, four double braced cymbal stands in, plus you got all the heavy stuff, it's yeah. The drums yeah. are light, though. They're awkward, but they're light because they're air. Okay, and that's true. That's true. And I will say one thing I appreciate because I don't want this to be a complete, like, you know, complain fest that we've got going on. A different kind of festival. I know that you run Life Fest. This could be complain fest. We yeah, just stand we on a stage yeah. and we just, you know. Soapbox festival. Yeah. yeah. Yell at the clouds. And yeah. you know, get off my lawn. Yes, perfect. Okay, no, but <laughs> um, but to that extent, you mentioned double brace hardware, and what I will say is also a pet peeve, and I'm just going to throw that out there is when a drummer brings crummy gear, gear that breaks while they're playing. So kudos to you. You keep that pet peeve from happening. Yeah, I I hate I hate crappy hardware when symbols like slide and move and stuff mm. yeah it's mm-hmm. or just don't they don't function yeah that, oh, that's yeah. always a problem oh yeah but going along with that though my pet peeve on drum hardware specifically is the cost right like a double braced cymbal stand is like two hundred dollars yeah i know guitar players who have guitars that aren't two hundred dollars like anyway <laughs> okay okay you know what all right, you start. You give me a pet peeve about guitar players, and I'm going to come back to that one. So my biggest pet peeve about guitar players, I'll just get started out there with the biggest one is we we set up, you know, everything's ready to go. The sound guy gives us a, a beautiful sound check. Mm-hmm. Get our in ears sounding great. Yeah, you get the show sounding great out front, whether I'm playing or mixing. Like you just get that mix dialed in. And then there's this thing that happens from sound check to the like second song when the guitar player goes, Oh, my amp's not on 10. And they're just like, they just, they just ping it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever once experienced a guitar player who's ever admitted to it, <laughs> but I know it happens. I guarantee it. I guarantee you're all turning up after sound check. Or maybe it's halfway through the first set. Maybe I'm not sure. But regardless, yeah. mm-hmm. you all turning your amps up after sound check. I don't know what it is. Okay, so I, I think I can explain some of this, because although I'm not going to tell you... Preach, Dr. T. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me how okay. this is happening. All right, so here's what happens, is we get everything dialed in, and everything sounds sweet and amazing, and we're hitting the guitar just as we want to, to be all silky smooth and amazing. And then the drummer starts mashing down on the heads harder, because they got all this energy... And no one can hear anything. And so oh. this, this brings up a whole point with in-ears, because with in-ears, everything is dialed in perfect. If it's floor wedges, I, I, you know what? I will admit it. With floor wedges, there have been times that I'm like, man, I can't hear the, the amp anymore. And so I have to turn up the amp. 
But with in-ears, I can honestly say I've never turned up the amplifier to get more. Okay. I will also say this. Playing with you, I've never had to turn up the amplifier. And that's partly because you have a little something called control. (laughs) And so the way you warm up is the way you play in the actual performance. And that, that's a key part to that, I believe. They're both too loud, I would argue. I, I hit <laughs> harder than I should. But yes, I, I, I do try to... I, I, it's not, I, wouldn't even, I don't know if I'd say control, but I, I try to sound check at performance level. Yes, as you should. Which is an inner thing, right? Because again, mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting, I know what I'm hearing. And I also, as an audio guy, I know like, if I don't sound check at performance volume, then I'm not doing him him or her any favors, you know? Right. Well, and okay, so that probably brings up uh, one of the issues that also comes in. So for me, you know, a little bit of a pet peeve is although I can say noodling in general, you know, noodling, just <laughs> do, 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 or whether it be guitar, you know, all of a sudden you're like, mealy, 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 and you think that, you know, you're Van Halen and Homestar Runner, whatever, and you're doing your thing. Drums are especially a pet peeve because it's always loud. Always. There's not a time it's not loud because they're like, okay, it's time to go ahead and let's, let's check and see how this works. And it, it's loud. Even tuning. It's time to tune the drums, and you're like, whack, whack, thud, thud, and it's like, it's loud. That's annoying. That's a pet peeve. I like him in tune, don't get me wrong. Yeah, But doing it when it's not necessary, that's that's annoying. But in order to tune it at performance volume, you just have to go through and do it, you know? Um, There's no difference between the thud, thud, and the, like, eighth of a turn you did on one lug. (laughs) (laughs) and then you have to do the bottom as well (laughs) you know it we do a lot of shows when it's cold outside and those poor drums man they they go through the temperature fluctuations okay fair (laughs) yeah and then in the summertime then it's hot right then it's hot the sun's Mm -hmm. on them and they get all kind of wonky you know it's it's well and and to your credit once again you do change your drum heads often so it's not because they're like flexing because you haven't changed them in 12 years. They're flexing because of the temperature. Like they're good heads. They just need to be fine tuned. So I, I can give you that. I can give you that. Well, they, then it sounds better, right? You know, you're good to go Oh, there. of course. So, yeah, yeah. If it's going to be annoying, it might as well be annoying in tune. As long as your, yeah, as long <laughs> as your end product is better, uh, <laughs> annoying is okay. I get that. I get that. Yeah. So as long as we're on the topic of tuning. Ooh, okay. What is it with guitar players and that (laughs) stupid little headstock thingy when you're Mm. on stage? It looks stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Every one of you has a pedal board of some kind that has a tuner built into it. Yep. And mutes you while you're playing. Yes. But I see I see all the guys with the little headstock thingy and they're like wide open and they're like tuning their guitar at volume and you're like, just push the button on the pedal board. Yeah. What is it? What is it about that? Is this is it that much better of a tuner? You know what? I'm with you on this one. That's a pet peeve I have. Cause it's one of those things that's like you've got this beautiful guitar with a beautiful headstock. 
It and says you've got Gibson on the headstock. Yeah, and well, that one you have to tune all it. the time. But you know, <laughs> but it's the Fender ones that really make me mad because those stay in tune longer. But you know, the point is, is you got all these things, and then you got a pedal board that looks like Jason's. It's just beautiful for that second that he has it set up like that before he changes it again, <laughs> and everything looks great. And we get this benefit of being able to click a button and we tune in silence. As opposed to a drummer who doesn't have a button to tune in silence. <laughs> yep. And yet you see this headstock tuner sitting on top of there. And we actually have played with somebody who had a headstock tuner on his guitar. And I only have one excuse for that man. He was a keyboard player. Yep. So we got to play with Jonathan Kane. We brought this up before. <laughs> he is the keyboard player for Journey, and he wrote faithfully. He wrote Don't Stop Believing," and he played guitar when we got to play with him. And both of us were like, what's the deal with the headstock tuner? And we didn't say anything. Why? Because Mr. Kane invited us to come play with him. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, you let yeah. him do his thing because he's, yeah. he's the one in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame currently. So Right, uh, right. Once once we're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we can we can make those types of decisions. But yeah, we're uh, an asterisk yeah. on his career. Yeah. That's really what it is. <laughs> we're not even an asterisk. We're like that like the fourth little symbol that they use in the Wikipedia page, like the two like the four up arrows. Like at one yeah. point in time he played this one festival with these two guys. Yeah. I love that you were like, yeah, in a Wikipedia page. Yeah, because we would have actually been contributors to it. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yes, I'm with you. That is super annoying. And I get it. There are some gigs where maybe like you're playing the acoustic guitar or something. You can't do anything about it. Or you got the mandolin. You got you can't do something about it or whatever. But electric guitar players, you got to have a tuner on the board. Unless you're just yep. plugged straight in. You got to have a tuner in the board. Yeah. I mean, it's like Texas. You got to have a fiddle in the band. So <laughs> Yes. Yes, except for this is a worldwide amendment to any kind of like law. So yeah. this is this is a big deal. Cuz even if you even if you use it, right? Like just tune up and then like slip it off and like put it on your mic stand or put it where you keep your capo or something. Like it just looks Although some people keep their capo at the very top headstock. So I don't like that either. Ooh, okay. So it's a little bit of a pet peeve there too. Because which capo can you leave on your headstock? I I don't know the what clampy ones, right? Like the Kaiser oh, yeah. ones and the right. And they I thought this they, was going to be another dad joke. I mean, you started me no, off with no, under those, the skins, and I was just <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to lead into this. I don't know what's happening here. No, because all those Kaiser capos suck. Because you put them on your guitar, and then it's out of tune. And you're like, yeah. oh, and then hold on, sell on a second. You got to you know, like get a shove like a real man. Yeah. Put it in your pocket. <laughs> Um, Daddario makes one that actually has like the you know tension to it and everything like that. So I like that one. That one you can clip on too. But you're right. Yeah. You're right. There are other places for you to put this thing. That's all. Yeah. On a side note, did you get like that hundred dollar one that we had at the festival this year? Did you get one? I did not. I, and there is no way. I gave no one to your way. brother, I think. But oh your brother my Paul has one. So really? Yeah, I give one to Lloyd too. So what? Come on, man! You didn't hook me up. I got one at the office. I'll just give you one. Okay. There's a there's a company. <laughs> I don't even know if this will make it in, but there's a company that brought capos in, and they're new, and they're like for worship leaders, and they're like, they're like a hundred dollars for a capo, which I think is stupid. 
also. Crazy. But they gave us a bunch to like give away to artists and stuff. And at the end of the event, I had a handful left, so I was giving them to like Lloyd. And well, Lloyd was an artist, so I gave one to Lloyd and Peter. Yeah, Iden. I was an artist too. What yeah. do you- Come on. I don't know. You didn't go into the artist hospitality tent, I guess. So that's true. I didn't because I was too busy working as well. All right, but right, that's cool. right, right. That's, cool. that's, that's cool. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Cool, 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 cool. All right, let's go to what I'm going to go ahead and say is the elephant in the room, and that is that a drum footprint on a stage is the entire size of the stage. And it is so gigantic, and I think that that is a pet peeve of mine, that drummers take up so much space on a stage. Well, I mean, part of it is the gig, too, right? Like, True. You can bring a smaller kit if you want to, but if you've got the space, man, bring it. Bring it. Okay, and that's fair. And I will also say, as a guitar player, when somebody says that I have a certain stage that I'm going to play on, but I have a certain sound I want, I am the person who decided to bring a half stack to a coffee shop. Right. It sounded good. And to be fair, (laughs) when you've got your half stack and your like rack of guitars Mm -hmm. and you're like switching guitars every third song and you've got the mando and the acoustic and the whatever and the thing Uh and the other thing and the stand and the pedal board. You're You're uh, describing me. You know, go on. We could, we could do a calculation and I would bet our uh, square footage is pretty close. Plus, you need a landing zone when you jump off of the kick drum. You need to, that counts in your square okay. footage. Well, I didn't talk about the things that I do love about drums. The fact that <laughs> you're sitting there, and what are you going to do? Chase me if I step on your drums? No. Exactly. No. Well, you're sitting yeah. there. <laughs> There's certain kits you can jump off of. That's totally That's fun. true. We've established those already. So. Yes, we have. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> yeah. All right, so give me, give me another guitar one. We mentioned the tuning pedal on the pedal boards. And mm-hmm. I, w- I would like to bring up just pedal boards in general, okay? Oh, okay. Now, there's been a lot of discussion on this particular therapy podcast about pedal boards. <laughs> True. Um, pros and cons, yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada. When you're playing out, though, I will never get over the fact that, and this goes way back to like my early days, like even in the 2000s when I was playing mm-hmm. out full-time, the amount of times that a show was either postponed or we had to stall, or we had to like figure something out because the guitar players down there like jiggling cables and like (laughs) trying to figure out what's wrong with his pedal board. When a complete and total solution exists, and it's, you know, just get yourself a Helix or get yourself a Kemper, and then you never, (laughs) ever have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. That's my take on it. And as a drummer, I'm sad that electronic drums suck so much <laughs> that I can't use electronic drums. And guitar players get... You all get an electronic quiet option that yeah. everyone could be happy with. Yeah. And some people still insist on putting archaic things <laughs> on a board with Velcro Mm-hmm. that fail on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, basically, we're plugging in 50s technology into an AM radio, and we're just going after it. I know. I get it. I get it. But that AM radio, it makes us feel good inside. 
<laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. And it's interesting because at church, I will play my quad cortex or I'll play the Kemper or I'll do any of those. And I'm happy. I'm perfectly happy. But when I go out on the road, I want the amplifier. And I'm not 100% sure why, because I've done the Kemper on the road. We did it one time in San Antonio together. And yeah. I can honestly say I did not notice a real problem. But I do know that I like having that AC30 or that AC15 or that JCM900 or whatever it is you decide to bring me that day. And it's fantastic. So I will go back to the pedal board thing that you said and you actually have described the reason why I most of the time just use an M9 or an HXFX because I'm tired of the cables. I'm tired of the power supply issues. And let's be honest, uh, the audience does not know. Right. And even if you have an amplifier, right? Like my pet peeve isn't the amplifier because I love a well set up AC30 with... Mm -hmm you know, a Sennheiser 906 on it, or when we've done like the, the large diaphragm condenser a little bit back. Yeah. Like as an audio guy, I love that, man. You can get it to sound really cool. Didn't you do the uh, KSM 27 for a while for me? We put, yeah, we put the, the KSMs oh, on so it good. and we did the, and it mix it with a 906. They sound mm -hmm. great. But again, like people futzing around and I'm not trying to throw anyone in particular under the bus, but like, when people show up with like a duffel bag full of pedals and like random jumper cables that don't like, yeah. oh, that one, that one must not work. I mean, you know, people spend like the whole half their sound check time trying to figure out why the pedal boards don't work. Yeah. And just drop the M9 down, plug it in, away you go. We even have one. I'll bring one for you. It'll be great. Yeah, that's right. And you also have a wireless for them to plug in. So it's literally one cable. Exactly. <laughs> And there's a tuner built into the pedal. There is. We're solving so many issues today. I, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So since we're talking about gear and bringing gear, yeah. mm -hmm. this is not you, and I know it's not you, but I'm going to say this is a pet peeve because this has happened to me, where I show up and the drummer thinks that they are Neil Peart and they bring like 30 cymbals and 12 toms and four snares and they have to set it all up and tear it back down and we're playing like a four song set and I'm like nobody cares about that special bell that then goes to the dark ride versus the not dark ride. I don't know. I'm a guitar player, but you know, all that stuff. And then you've got the China that you use in one spot that you're like, you realize that sounds just like open hats hitting it really hard. Like that's a pet peeve of mine. I can't agree more. The guy who brings out like the wind chimes and the, like the whole, the whole deal. <laughs> um, wind <they're>, chimes. <laughs> I, <laughs> like what? What do you need that for? Um, yeah. They make an SPD pad. You can put all that stuff in there. It'll be great. I'm coming to um, that one next. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I, I can't agree more. I, I mean, I'm a two-crash ride hi-hat, rack-tom, floor-tom <laughs> kind of guy. And uh, I will admit, in the very early days, I have it. I, ha I still have the kit. It's my. I don't. Know if, have you ever seen my old Tama kit, my black Tama kit? No. It's in my basement. I use it for practice still, but it was like my first real drum set that I ever bought. 
I bought it used in the late nineties. It's got like the extra deep toms, like the old like Tommy Lee. Like you got to kind of put them at a forty-five <laughs> just so you can actually hit them. Uh huh. And I used to set up both racks and both floors and the cymbals and the china and the thing and the double kick pedal and the whole deal and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. then I started playing out, and I'm like, I'm not carrying all this crap. Uh, no. And very quickly, I went to rack, floor, ride, kick, a couple of cymbals, call it a day, because you can accomplish just about anything with that setup. Yeah. Which I would equate back to like, you need like, what, a drive pedal and a tuner pedal and you can cover just about anything, right? Isn't that what guitar players need? <laughs> Not quite, but you know. <laughs> okay, actually, this is a good question. I feel like this is, let's break away from the pet peeves. Okay. And something that has been mentioned to me from a certain bass player who has been on the podcast, considering that there's only been one, Jeremy said yeah. that guitar players fight for that one percent of tone where bass players they just plug into a di box and they go yep it sounds low okay as a drummer what is your fight for that one percent of tone so as a drummer i've got two because i I can tell you as an audio guy i can i can i can speak into this too but as a drummer Mm -hmm. for me it's all about the snare sound it's all about the snare sound because the kick drum the front of house guy has more control over what it ultimately sounds like because if you've ever like when you're in your basement you're like oh that's a cool sounding kick drum and then you go out and if you ever get to play with like massive amounts of subwoofers you can be like oh my kick drum sounds nothing like that but like people's clothes are moving as every time i hit it like that's perfect <laughs> and hi-hats sound like i you know you can you can have the nicest cleanest crispest sounding hi-hats and it's all about mic placement and all that kind of stuff yeah but the snare drum if you if your snare drum sounds like poo like i i you're not, you're not doing your job. Like you have to have a great sounding snare drum, and it's the biggest thing that you can simply swap out of your kit and have like different like qualities of tone or different types of tone, like popcorn snares versus deep snares and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got that one Infinity kit that's got like it's like eight and a half inches deep, and it's just this massive black, and I love it. Yeah. Ironically, it's the one I take out when we play with the Country Girl. But yeah. uh <laughs> cuz it sounds right. Cuz it sounds great. And you can kind of loosen your snares and get that get that real rumble mm-hmm. on the snare drum, snares and stuff. So, I spend a lot of time fighting for 1% yeah. on the snare drum. But I will agree with you, like bass players when I sound check a bass player, it's like that you know, they play a note and I see the green light on the console come on and I'm like, "We're good. I can, I, can, I see you." <laughs> Like you're, you're I fine. See you. That's the that, and that's the last time anybody sees them, for the exactly. rest of the show because yeah. nobody exactly. Cares. <laughs> they just um, hear it. But I will agree. Like, you know, there's like the eighty percent of your, you know, when you get to eighty percent of the tone you want, you sound great. And then, I think guitar players are always chasing that last little, yeah, little bit. You know, like oh man, if I put this one pickup in this guitar, maybe I'll get that little bit of something. Or, you know, if I tweak this one knob the tiniest bit and Mm -hmm. i've seen guitar players do that where they're like kneeling down at their guitar pedals and they're like they're playing it and then they touch something they play it again you're like you didn't do anything like it doesn't sound any different but it does to us it does to (laughs) us i'm just saying (laughs) you feel it maybe Uh uh-huh but as an audio Uh guy i'm like just just play some loud chords and noodle a little bit and i'll (laughs) dial you because and we've talked about this before like the audio engineer has so much more control over everything you're doing than you ever do. Like, oh yeah, when you're kneeling down at the guitar pedals and you're like tweaking stuff and like trying to get that perfect sound, that has to be 100 percent for your enjoyment. Because yeah, 
once it leaves that amplifier, you have no control over it anymore. The audio guy's going to color it the way they want. Yeah, once it hits that mic, because yeah. that mic is going to add its color, which is then yep. going to go into the preamp, which adds its color, which is going to go into the room, which adds its color. And yeah, yep. And even You're the PA, right? right? Like, you know, yeah. small band PA, you got a set of 15s on sticks. Sound different than a pair of 12s, sound different than a yep. line array, sound different than a high-end hi-fi system. Yeah. You know, when you're down there tweaking all that stuff, it's just for you. And it's like, okay, let can we practice a song now? Can we just move on? We, <laughs> okay, so I am glad that you brought up snare for two reasons. One is I remember playing with Lynn once, and we had somebody, this was before you joined in with the band, and he had a piccolo snare. Ah, and I remember us playing, and I understood what he was trying to do. And I said to him, "It sounds like you're trying to do a rim shot. Like that's actually what you want." And he said, "I don't know. I don't know about that." And he ended up eventually going to a deeper snare, and he hit a lot of rim shots. It was exactly what he was looking for. He wanted that tighter crack, and he found a way to get it. And to go off of that as well, I remember Liam playing with us with Second Adam, and Liam had this like six thousand dollar DW kit, and the snare itself was like a six hundred dollar snare, and he also had this Yamaha Stage Custom, and the snare came with it. We were like, "Can you use the Stage Custom snare?" Instead, because it was deep, it was rock and roll, it sounded amazing. The other one was just so woody. And he was like, are you kidding me? Like, my snare from my DW kit cost more than this kit that the snare came with. And you're telling me this is the snare to use? And we're like, yes. He's like, okay. And sure enough, it was the right thing. It was the right thing. So it's like, maybe your 1% tone for the snare doesn't come with a price tag. Maybe it comes with something a little bit cheaper, and that that's kind of like guitar too. Yeah, I mean it's it's that it's that balancing act. It's the head, you know, the way the heads interact, the tuning, the way you you know the way you play it. I've had that happen. I actually have an old Tama Imperial Star snare drum that's mm-hmm. not worth anything, right? Like, I, <laughs> but it sounds great. It sounds really good. Yeah. That being said, I have you know I have a thousand dollar DW nickel plated copper snare that I absolutely love, oh, and man. I take that out a bunch too and that's you know like a thousand dollars for a snare drum yeah which that's a whole nother thing right like uh, there's a meme that's out there that's like what my wife thinks a thousand dollars worth of symbols looks like and it's like the room <laughs> from guitar center and then yeah. what a thousand dollars of symbols actually looks like and it's like a hi-hat stand like, <laughs> it's just the stand it's not even the <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the actual symbol <laughs> yeah there's no symbols involved it's just the hardware for the drum yeah. kit you know yeah. You know, it's funny, like people look at a guitar and they're like, oh my gosh, your your Gibson Les Paul looks amazing. And you're like, yeah, it's like a $2,000 guitar. It's great. And I'm like, I got like a, you know, $2,000 ride symbol and no one cares. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so cost, what I'm saying is cost. One particular uh, couch member aside, mm-hmm. most of us don't change gear as often. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. All right. But dr- before you get there, before you get there, I just want to ask one question and then you can just keep talking after that. And that is how many drum sets do you own? See, I'm an I'm I'm a unique case though. Okay. 
There's a oh, caveat. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Caveat, caveat. I'm sorry. Okay, not a junkie. Got it. I Go own on. I own nine drum sets. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. But I play one at a time, which is fair. But I rent. The- <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're left-handed. No one else can play. Right. <laughs> They're left-handed. I can't. Yeah. Me and Barber, we're the two people that can play my drum kits. No. Um, <laughs> But I rent drum sets, right? Like, I, I regularly rent them yes. out. I use them for things. So that's why I have so many. Yes. It's not an addiction. It's a it's a hobby. It's No, it's not a hobby. It's a... It's a, it's an, <laughs> it's a job. Wait, it's, it's a job. I swear it's a it's job. A job. Honey, it's a job. <laughs> I get paid for this. But that's the, the idea being that, you know, I can send out five drum kits and have a couple of spares and whatever. But... Yeah. The idea that you spend all this money to get drums up and running, and then you're kind of you can be done pretty quick and easy. Yeah. Whereas guitar players, man, they're uh, you know, there's always one more guitar that you need. Um, there is, but then again, what about cymbals? Is there always another cymbal you could buy? So, along with my nine drum sets, I have nine sets of cymbals, nine packages <laughs> together, which is also very. Well, expensive. at least you only have nine sets. It's not like twelve sets of cymbals for your right. nine for, drum for sets. nine drum sets. Again, the problem is the the expense because like yeah. even the most basic, right? Like you can go buy a, a ninety nine dollar guitar and a fifty dollar amp and like play guitar and learn how mm-hmm. to do it. I had to get like a thousand dollar drum kit to start the whole thing because drum okay, sets don't come sure. with cymbals and the whole deal. Plus, like rehearsal, you annoy your neighbors and your parents, and like guitar players can put on headphones and stuff. So <laughs> learning drums. Learning drums can be a huge pet peeve. All of the stuff involved with starting to be a drummer is yeah, a huge pet peeve of mine. Very true. Guitar players have it so easy. Well, in comparison, I would agree. I would agree because if we decide we want to grab an acoustic and go play out at the campfire, that's going to be very different. you know. And I know that you're like, oh, well, we could have a djembe or something. But let's be honest. A hand drum player is a far leap from a trap set player yeah so you know you might oh what about a cajon cajon i can sit on it and i can play it Uh, still no it's it's more likely to become firewood than than the guitar would be so just saying yeah i mean they have their they have their place right like they have their purpose but yeah nobody wakes up one day and is like man i'm gonna go be a percussionist and play a jumbe (laughs) gosh i really want to be percussionist I really want to travel around with a large amount of pieces of gear, which actually that brings up another little pet peeve. And that is so many cases. I don't have a case for every pedal. I have a case for the pedals where you have a case for each individual drum. At least the hardware can all go together. And if the throne fits, that's great but then you might need a carpet. I don't have to travel with a carpet. Oh, dude. I wrote that down. One of my pet peeves is having to carry a carpet around or not having a carpet when you get to a show. Like, that's a huge problem. You cannot play on tile. You can't do it. And it's specifically drummers that show up without a carpet, and then they're like, oh, I don't have a rug. Oh, okay. So I own nine drum sets. You want to take a guess? You've seen them. Do you know? You want to take a guess as to how many drum rugs I own? So I would love to say nine, but I know for a fact that there have been times that we've shown up and gone, uh, why is there not a drum rug in here? And then we go to Walmart 
And I can think of four separate times off the top of my head when we've had to go do that. So I'm going to say that you have somewhere between, out of nine drum sets, somewhere between 15 and 20 drum rucks. 22. (laughs) A little bit higher. Okay. (laughs) Because, here's another little pet peeve, keyboard players want carpets too. (laughs) What do you need a carpet for? I get that Jim plays with no shoes on. Like, that's a thing. But, yeah, gross. Okay, go on. <laughs> but most keyboard players, you don't need the you don't need the carpet, but they want the carpet. Now, yeah. Lynn plays with that cow rug. She bought that cow rug at She at, does. At, and that's, that's cool. Like that's, that's cool. That's because she's the talent and she gets right. what she wants. Yes. But yeah, drummers, you know, who don't bring their own carpets, but more to the point when I forget to send a carpet and then we're going to Walmart and we're buying another one, despite yeah. the fact that I have twenty two of them in my warehouse. Okay, this is a good time for us to go ahead and take a break for the sponsors, because when we come back, I got a little bit to go with the expensive things, because I've drummed some, yeah, and I have pet peeves as a drummer that I want to go ahead and I want to bring up, and I'm sure you have some pet peeves as someone who plays guitar I do. also. So, yep. okay, we're going to take a break for the sponsors, and we will be right back. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Here's another sponsor. Are you wanting to join a party with a purpose? If you love music and camping, then come to LifeFest in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'll see you there. Here is our last sponsor. Since 2003, the Kretzmann Guitar Company has been repairing and building guitars. In 2021, Kretzmann started a production of a solid body electric guitar for anyone student to expert. You can check them out at kretzmannguitars.com. And we're back. Okay, we are back, and I'm going to bring up something. First of all, you mentioned the whole thing about like, oh, you can just put headphones on and you can be a guitar player. And how I started as a drummer was the electric kit. And starting there worked out pretty decent because I could do that kind of thing. But the biggest issue I have with doing the electric kit is that when I hit the pads, they sound like pads. So I actually have to crank it up loud enough to where I don't hear pads getting hit. And that was a pet peeve for me as someone learning how to drum. The other part that I'll add to that is you also mentioned the expense. And you said, when it comes to expense, I mean, it's, you got $1,000 and you're finally getting into an entry-level kit that's worth anything with hardware that's worth anything and a throne that's worth anything and a kick drum pedal that's worth anything and cymbals that are worth anything. And I say all that to say that is my other biggest pet peeve as a drummer, someone who has done some drumming, and that is I hit all of my expensive stuff with sticks. And even the sticks (laughs) are expensive. When anything breaks on a guitar, it costs like a dollar to fix. (laughs) For you, you break a stick and you're like, well, there's another $6 minimum. (laughs) You break a head... Give me 20 minutes if I have a spare. (laughs) 
like, <laughs> and it's usually like a buck fifty to two dollars an inch worth of head, right? So like a no, fourteen yeah. inch head is like twenty dollars now. Ugh. Yep. And so those are some as a drummer pet peeves. And I do have one more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go ahead and and give me some as a guitar player. So for me, it's the guys who and this is twofold, right? It can go it, it's a it's a teeter-totter. Let's pretend it's a teeter-totter. Okay. Tuning. We'll say tuning as a teeter-totter. Mhm. There are guys who will completely stop the flow of the show to tune their guitar. Cuz sometimes yeah. that's important. It is. But the other way is the guy who will have the worst tuned guitar <laughs> and just soldier on, man. And you're yep. like that sounds so bad. It sounds, it's so, like, it's so bad. Yeah. And I deal with that a lot when I'm, you know, because I, I used to, I, I play guitar and I, I do some worship leading and stuff. And a lot of times it's with high school students and they're like, okay, they don't know any better, but buddy, just push that little pedal and give it a second and, you know, yeah, just tune it up, man. Or, and it's usually not the professionals, right? It's not the pros that, that have this problem. It's usually the the weekend warriors, but- Right. Uh, you know, I'll go and I'll see I'll see bands out at bars and stuff, and you're like, "Hey, man, you you know that you can intonate that guitar, like you can adjust it, and it will <laughs> actually be in tune." Which you should meet a tech, a guitar yeah, tech. That, yeah, like I, yes. I know a guy. I can help you out. <laughs> Give me a screwdriver. Screwdriver yeah. in like 20 minutes, and this is going to be gold. Yeah, I mean that's that's the real thing, and. You know, the, I have a little bit of the guitar bug in me. I snap up guitars when I see a good price on one. And, and yeah. what's what's ironic is I own nine drum sets, but I own 14 guitars. <laughs> so, so there's that too. That, mm-hmm. If you count basses, do we count basses? Are basses bases considered they guitars? they got strings, fine. We'll call it. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I have four basses and then I have 10 guitars. And we just heard from our sponsors... My Kretzman's on the way. Actually, I yes. might have it by the time this airs. What color did you get? TV yellow. Yeah. Nice. I just got the confirmation the other day. So uh, I'm super, like, I'm jonesing to, to get my hands on that thing. I, I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Because I've played yours and I've played uh, Paul's and and uh, a couple of the people that have them. And uh, I'm super excited about it. Anyway, yeah. all that to say. They're a great bang for buck. Like, it's crazy. And that goes into the pet peeve, right? The Kretzman guitars are super affordable. And yet they're great. If you buy a cheap drum set, it's cheap. There's like no, <laughs> there's just no, yeah, anyway, that's a whole Okay, that's so what you're other. saying is, is you could buy a cheap guitar and stick elixirs on it, nicer strings, more expensive strings, and you'll go, man, this sounds like a good guitar. But if you buy yep. a cheap drum set and you put super nice heads on it, it's still going to sound like a cheap drum set? Much in the same way that, you know, there's there's that level of guitar that you get to where like the tuning machines are nice, like they're they're, mm-hmm. they're enclosed tuners, you know, they got a good ratio on them. Yeah. And they hold well. Yep. And if you set up a guitar nice, you can get it to sound good and play good. The problem with drum sets is the lugs. If you buy a cheap drum kit with cheap lugs on it, they just don't stay in tune. Because it's it's that mechanical yeah. nut that just loosens up and they're you know they're 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 soft metal or they're white metal instead of like a solid mm-hmm. metal, and the you know the and because you bang them with sticks because you're, you're hitting them with a stick, loosening with the vibration, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you have a cheap drum kit, they're, they're just they don't stay in tune. They don't sound great. Um, they don't resonate real well for the guitar players out there. An acoustic drum set is is equated straight to an, an acoustic guitar, not an electric guitar, right? Like true. It, it's all about the resonant of the drum. It's all about what it sounds like when it's vibrating, yeah. as opposed to you know an electric guitar. You can you know you can take a, a less expensive electric guitar and put a good pickup in it. You can do those types of things. You can't alter the tone of a drum set, right? You can you can put better heads on it and it'll sound a little bit better. And you can do some of those types of things. Sure. If a snare drum sounds like crap, like there's there's just not much you can do with it. Yeah. If if you've tried tuning it and you've put better heads on it, like a crappy sounding drum is just a crappy sounding drum. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you my last as a drummer and I'm I'm going to call it a pet peeve. It's it's not necessarily a pet peeve all the time, but it is in certain times. And this pet peeve that I have as someone who has a drum set, but I also know that I'm guilty of it when I don't have a drum set around is the whole everyone is a drummer scenario where you get done playing or you just set up your drums and somebody goes, can I play your drum set? Like, can I hit it? Like I, it's set up right. Like I rarely get someone walk up and go, can I play your guitar? Rarely. It's always the drum set. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we get that a lot at the weekend events that we do. Kids want to play and, um, yeah, I, I'm cool with it. Like I'm not super particular. In fact, there's that time you set my, you set my drum kit up from like a Facebook picture <laughs> or something. Uh, I did. I was close. <laughs> I was real close. And I think I moved, I had to move the hi-hat or something a little bit, but I was flying into the show and my flight got delayed like four times and I literally showed up. Yeah. I think I just played the first set in the clothes I was wearing yep. in my flight clothes, in my travel clothes attire not that we like have uniforms or anything but yeah it's just <laughs> I, I literally showed up we like played like 10 seconds and then they opened the door yeah, it was weird you were wearing your overalls without a shirt and i yeah. thought that's kind of odd that's not what you usually do but I mean, that, I that's guess how for i security yeah that's how i fly you know i got the crocs with the uh the, the yeah <laughs> the shirt the straw hat yeah there's less to pat down when you're wearing nothing but uh yeah. but a pair of overalls when you can see nipples yeah, yeah absolutely in fact they yeah. <laughs> they just wave you through security they're like no he's got nothing <laughs> now uh, we're good yeah <laughs> All right. Well, okay. As we start to wrap a few things up, there is another one that I want to go ahead and bring up. And and since since we're talking a little bit about being on stage, playing live, I have one more pet peeve as a singer who plays guitar. And that pet peeve is that every single mic on stage gets <laughs> drumbleed. Everyone. Yeah. They are so loud. And you know what? And on top of that, I'm going to add one more. And that is that the channels required for the drums, I mean, you need six to eight usually. And if you have an electric guitar, a bass, and a couple of vocalists, you're looking at four. (laughs) And you took up six to eight just so you can smack things with sticks. So there you go. All right. Mike Bleed. And the amount of mics you need—that's that's our channels. Yeah, I have nothing nothing to say about that because you know, because <laughs> you like that. Because <laughs> I need it. Yeah, it's it's all me, man. Like, oh, you wanted more of you in the monitor? Whack whack. You know. Anyway, 
Can I get more snare? Just hit it harder. Because <laughs> you're going to get more snare, too, when you want more of your vocal mic in the monitor. Yeah. You know, I, I do like, and I was really skeptical about those little circular, like, because there's the drum shield, right? And I hate drum shields. Oh, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. hate, I hate them with a passion. For two reasons. One, as a drummer, you're like, I don't want to be in a fishbowl. Like, I just feel stupid. Right. It's like the cone of shame or something that you got to put up. <laughs> but as an audio guy, this may surprise people. I hate them as an audio engineer because it adds all of these really odd reflections into the microphones. Oh, sure. And much to your point of like microphone bleed, talk about microphone bleed, but talk about microphone refraction. Like you're hitting a snare drum and you're getting the reflection immediately back from the shield and you're getting like, it causes weird phasing issues and stuff sometimes. And it's, it's just weird. Well, I would imagine someone who plays like acoustic guitar saying, okay, well, we're going to put a shield right in front of your acoustic guitar and we're going to mic it. Yeah. They would hate that with in-ears as well because they'd be like, this doesn't sound like my guitar. Right. Because you're getting that back. Yeah. That makes sense. So, but what I, I'm interested in, and I, I actually was really skeptical of those little like circular, you see them sometimes on like oh, live yeah. shows, just, just like the two circles near the cymbals. Yeah. I was at a show and I got to mix it for a band called I Am They when they, they've broken up since then. But I was like, there's no mm-hmm. way. Like they were the only band that I, I've seen them use live. I walked up and I stood by Nicole Hickman, who's an amazing drummer. Look her up. She was the drummer for I Am They. I was standing by her and I'm listening to like acoustically I'm like, okay, she's not getting slapped back. It sounds okay. And I literally walked around to the front and there was a, an extremely noticeable DB drop as soon as I went around the front from all the symbols and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, those two little symbol shields are super, super important. So PSA for everyone who has to has a drum shield, whether it's at their church or in a band or whatever you're doing, Yeah, check out the little circular deals. They're super inexpensive and they're super easy. They just mount to a microphone or to a symbol stand. And I would go with those, man. I I was really yeah. surprised at how good those are. But yeah. Anyway, that's a whole tangent. <laughs> My last pet it peeve. Is. Uh, speaking okay. of new things that you could buy and bring to a show, there's a little bit of a story that goes with this one. I was in a band for like ten years that we played out full time, and we mm-hmm. had two guitar players. And to set the time frame, this was like ninety eight, ninety nine, to like two thousand. 2008 right like it was in that window of time yep and i had one guitar player when we first started playing he showed up with his line six ax212 okay if you remember that thing right it was like yeah those are old yeah it's the grand it's the granddaddy it's it's the grandfather of of modeling of kempers right like think yeah a kemper 20 years before kempers came out so it had all the switches and it had like 99 presets and he would go through and he would like, okay, we're playing, you know, a uh, collective soul song. Okay, here's my shine tone. And he would save that under the number yeah. preset and whatever. And then he would take our set list and he would like move his presets around so they were all in order. So he'd just like push a button and he was ready to go to the next song. Yeah, just go to the next one. Right. And then my other guitar player, I don't know if like he had a connection at a at a pawn shop or a used, like a music store. But the dude showed up with new gear like every week. And not new gear, but like different gear. <laughs> and we practiced every we practiced every week. And we learned like 300 songs. Like our catalog, by the time we ended, we had just a, a, just a ton of music. And we could play anything from like the Beatles. And a, we could do like an entire night of country music. We could do an entire night of rock music. Yeah. So we knew that. We were, we were the bar cover band, right? Like we could, we could be like, mm-hmm. oh, 
We're playing at the the country bar. Great, we'll play this set. If we're oh, we're playing at the rock bar, we'll yeah. play this set. Okay. Anyway, so this other guitar player, we'll call him Steve, because that's that's what okay. his name was. And uh, oh, okay. So Steve would show up, and he would show up to a show, all new gear, top to bottom. He'd be like, "Man, <laughs> I got a killer deal on this Fender Twin, and I I bought a Les Paul, and he'd been playing a Telly like the entire time prior to this." And I, I bought this new flanger pedal and this boss thing and this thing and this, and, and he'd show up to a show and he'd be like tap dancing and he'd be like, he'd, he'd literally be playing a song. He's like, oh, it doesn't sound right. And he's like trying to change his tone. Like in the, mm-hmm. and we're, we're a cover band, right? Like our goal is to sound, and we were not a, like a, we're going to take this song and experiment on it and make it our own thing, right? Like if we're playing Sweet Child of Mine, we're not doing the Alanis Morissette Sweet Child of Mine. We're doing the Guns yeah. N' Roses. This is what it sounds like. Right. So I've got Carl, who's got the uh, the line six, and he's like dialed in the mm-hmm. tone to sound exactly like the record. And then Steve's over there tap dancing on a pedal board that would make Jason jealous with like <laughs> 30 things on it. And none, half of it doesn't work. This goes back to what I talked about earlier. Like he'd be like, oh, that bad cable. And he'd have to like stop the show to like try to figure out which pedal doesn't work. Yep. But he, and like we had rehearsed on Tuesday. Like Steve, you, you had a different rig on Tuesday and he'd show up to the show. With a brand new ring. <laughs> and we played for 10 years, and no less than 20 times he showed up with a new amp or a different guitar. And he was just had this, you know, he had this gas, this gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah. And um mm-hmm. he was just that guy, man. And it was a huge pet peeve of mine. Uh what's funny about it is I think you played on like, do you remember the triple X that I had for a while? The PV triple X. Yeah, that thing was cool. I bought that from Steve because he bought it and brought it to a show, and we're like. He literally went from like a Hot Rod Deluxe, which I also own now, <laughs> to a PV Triple X through the course of like a week. Mm-hmm. And he showed up to the next weekend's show because we were like gigging. Like we were out every weekend playing shows. Yeah. He literally shows up to the next weekend with a PV Triple X after having been like a Fender guy. And he's like, I got this Les Paul at a pawn shop. And I'm like, okay. And like, oh, the tone knob doesn't work. Like, why? 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 <laughs> Okay, and that anyway. could go with a pet peeve that I would yeah. have about guitar players, and that would be that they don't actually test out the gear. They just get it and bring it to the show because it's the new thing. Exactly. And it's like, um, come prepared. Come, come prepared, prepared to play what you're supposed to play. Yeah. Now, you tested out that M9 for me. I bought an M9 yes. from a guy, and I kind of played it in my basement and made sure it worked. And then I brought it to a show, and you got to you used it, and actually it worked. Yep. But we had what you'd used the, the previous set to make sure we had the gear. Yeah. So come prepared, people. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's go to final thoughts. So what are your final thoughts on the pet peeves that you have drumming and guitars? So to sum up everything, I would say come prepared. Mm-hmm. Know what's going on on stage. Right, like this goes to like the the tuning issues, the sound check issues. Like when you come to a show and you're trying to be a professional, if you're a professional, or if you act like a professional, be prepared. Know what's going on on stage. Know your place in a mix. Don't turn up your amp. Do the things that you need to do to be ready to play your show. Now, some people listening might be like. I play in my bedroom. Great. 
then grab whatever piece of gear you want and do your thing. But when you're playing, when you're when you're when you're in a band and you're trying to do music together with each other, know your role, know your place, know what's supposed to be happening, and then have fun, right? Like that's that's the most important thing is enjoy playing music because what yeah. we get to do is fun, right? Yeah. I don't have to sit at a desk 40 hours a week and like fill out TPS reports. Like I don't I don't ever want to be that guy. Right. I get to do a really cool thing. But when I'm doing it, I need to be ready to do my job because it is my job. So, yeah. And I would say that all of that, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think some of my favorite times that you've done like a little post on like an Instagram or Facebook or whatever is you'll take a picture from like your mixing desk or from the drum set and you'll say, here's my office view yep. for the weekend. And it's like, yeah, because it, Yes, it's your work, but it's it's super fun. And it's like, I'm excited about this work that I'm doing. When I look at the pet peeves and everything, I realize that most of these pet peeves are easily solvable, you know, by making sure you have quality gear and you take your time to prep and you're courteous. Okay, yes, you need to tune your drums. So tune the drum and be done. Right. But if you tune the drums... And then decide, now it is time to do my drum solo, which, by the way, you're the only drummer. You're always <laughs> soloing. But anyway, you know, the you, you decide to go off on all these fills and all that kind of stuff. Okay, make sure it's with a purpose. And the same thing goes for the guitar player. And I know I am also someone that is uh, notorious for this, is that I'll be like, okay, do I have the sound? I'm getting my 1%, and then I'll get it. And then I'll feel like I need to play something to make sure it's all there. Being understanding that sometimes enough is enough. Enough is enough. Yep. And get the headstock tuner off, off your flipping okay, guitar. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> no, but that that's it. Because a lot of it is, in, in, in all honesty, I am I would rather have a drummer than not have a drummer. So long as they're playing on beat. And they're doing what they're supposed to do. But I would I would rather take a drummer with a few of these pet peeves that I have than without. And so I know that I'm blessed to be able to play with some like pretty great drummers. And I'm glad to have them. And I'm I'm hoping you're gonna be at the next gig, even though I basically just called out like 50% of the things that I like. <laughs> well, I'll take those to heart, Dr. T, and I'll try to learn from the errors of my ways. But uh <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to to take this therapy and apply it to my life and, and hopefully make people less pet peeved at me. Yeah, me too. I like this. This was a good group therapy. It feels good. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for being on here again, John. Thank you, Dr. T. All right. Until next time. See you then. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at The Tweed Couch. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time. <laughs>